Wow. <clears throat> wow. That was very insightful. I apologize for ending so abruptly on my last podcast. That was insane. I was momentarily enacted to do some things with my off-air uh, podcast friend. And no, it's not like that. We were just actually talking. But welcome to the Hearing Colors of Podcast. Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast series again. And for the listener, this podcast series is insane. It's insane, but in the best way possible, if I could verse it that way. I appreciate you all for listening. This is V, a.k.a. Vernon English, live from L.A. Woo! Woo! Now, um... Yeah, I'm going to pick up right where I left off on the last series because that was a really interesting thing in what I'm working on. And my last book or what I'm working on on the fourth book, I have it all in my head. So I'm going to write it down over again. And this is like the second, third and fourth draft. So I'm not really worried about content and material. It's nothing. And I'm just really excited to share this one. So I'm going to go back because I was right, right, right in the middle of it. I left you (laughs) mid-sentence, which is not, I I apologize. So basically in the third book and what I was looking at was that these were these kings out in the desert. And this was an interesting interpretation because I love great stories. I love stories that have mystery to them. And one of them wasn't a king. The whole purpose of me doing so was that it would create this level of mistrust between them. Obviously, if they were just all kings or whatever the case may be, generals, whatever, it didn't matter at first until they all remembered or began remembering who they were. And then the sense of, oh, well, he's this. And then I am assuming this one should be as well. There's actually, I wrote in there, Uh, two brothers that are uh, a king pair and they're there uh, and one of them doesn't speak and the other one does and it basically is like an interpretation for him and his brother the way that they communicate with one another one could only think of it as sign language or uh, communicating without words uh, non-verbal body uh, communication and I wrote that one when I first first came up with the concept And I was curious as to find out what someone would experience if you were walking past an oasis or walking past certain areas and places and things. What would run through your mind as the gambit? What would initially something be that you would want to go towards as your goal? Like it has to be something to to continue your, your sensibility to put one foot in ahead of the other while in a seamlessly uh, worse or a bad situation that looks that way, but isn't. And so it, it plays off of egos and emotions and it plays off of these things that people look at all the time and initially are like, well, mm, it's kind of like a daydream, but to these gentlemen, it is life or death in the situation. And so uh, it says six plus king, six plus one noble kings back in the sand winds change their ambition. Sight beyond sight dare not intervene. The young fate is weaving, weaving never before seen martyrs to christen. 
One king rested his knee upon grains, whose mouth foamed with mirrored contradiction. I speak for my brother who mumbled, mumbles, lest we stay here rehashing all we think we know, death will ask us our reasoning for living. Blasphemy! How can one trust words I can't for the meaning, spoke a knightly king, standing five heads taller than the seamless sky in which the third sun bothered the dreamless. One of us is not a king, I feel it deep beyond my soul's cavity bone. To what end would we stay, retorted another king, angry at his own dismay. How is it I know not any of your faces? I shall not be the only to state whilst the rest of us remain gilded. And so what we're experiencing is this, this dialogue between them. One king is just basically like, hey man, if we stay here, death is going to ask us why we chilling so hard and <laughs> why we are still here breathing and i dare say i don't want to be the one to be in that line of questioning i don't even want to talk to him and then the next king is like well first and foremost i like traveling but one of you guys is not a king and to him that comes off as him not knowing his surroundings and and it comes off as a sense of mistrust not to say that all kings had to be around him to surround him. It's just he doesn't remember how he got there. He doesn't remember where his memory's gone. This is a sense of panic and turmoil in his eyes. So he's like, well, this is insane. I'm not accepting this. I'm really, really, really two seconds away from running out the door. Like, this is what? what what's going on here? And so another king it's basically what we're experiencing when you first wake up in the morning or something like this but these gentlemen with the case of mass alzheimer's and mass amnesia are experiencing a continued sense of panic because their lives are on the line immediately upon waking and there is no set motive there is no set alternative to gain or lose what it was that because they don't even know what they have just the garments on their back and there is no time to sit there and verse and, and categorize your thoughts and, and and sit there like the other groups have and, and i described them in the first and second books where they spend a lot a lot a lot a lot of time relaxing doing their thing but alleviating that sense of what would you call flight fight or flight process that goes along with it the fight or flight process is just because someone while they were thinking uh took the opportunity to take advantage but that's not necessarily the case here these gentlemen are like wait a minute hold on hold on hold on hold on before sunset before it gets cold at night let's find a place to chill but buddy we got a lot to talk about, man. Like, I don't know who are you. And then they're like, well, I'm me. Who are you? And, and that's generally what's happening right now. <laughs> and so I'll continue. It says, blasphemy. How can one trust words I can't toward the meaning? Spoke a knightly king standing five heads taller than a seamless sky in which the third son bothered the dreamless. One of us is not a king. I feel it deep beyond my soul's cavity bone. To what end would we stay, retorted another king, angry at his own dismay. 
How is it I know not any of your faces? I shall not be the only one to state whilst the rest of us remain gilded. More lies, spoke the tallest king. Silence, shouted the original, he being the one who started the tepid conversation. I only know of my brother. Explain to me the rest of us your origins, lest we part here, never to be rehashed in my memory, smaller than the time God's creations play rendition. So, there's another mention of the time god and usually i don't have characters come with the knowledge that they know of his existence but it's almost as if it's the same mentioning of a foreign or mythical entity such as the fetus or some other being that i've never conceived of or that they've never conceived of to be fair there are no set alternatives to uh, higher beings or deities I just give them this the sense of reverence and the crow from the first book is pretty much the first one after mentioning it and it became just that a a thing but nothing official that is accepted by all the people her what would you call her men Thousands and thousands of fighters, warriors, and, and the, the lot of them are the ones that pretty much adhere to their own drum. Like, they, these guys, they don't mess around. And it is all physical. It is nothing for play-play. It is all to the top of the dome piece. Tactical, time-driven time lapses, everything that, that one goes along with strategic happenings, they, they accomplish effortlessly. And it is not something that goes off of a speech because they are not so worn on words that have no meaning to them, exceptionally in a world such as celestial. But when it comes to deities or something that they have not conceived of before, they're in their minds, and, and not all characters in the story, but their minds in general, especially, they are open to the interpretations of what may be out there. They are travelers, and they, they have seen some of the most magnanimous things ever, uh, just wielding swords and going from village to village, helping where they may, and then defending against uh, what would you call bandits who have no sense of honor who have no sense of sem semblance of anything it's just there and and it comes off full circle it comes off as a very very serious thing to state something that no one has seen before to memories or people with memories that are fragmented and the people some people respond others have a general sense that it is different or that something can be possible but they just haven't witnessed it first and it doesn't take away from the experience from the person who has witnessed it it just is claimed as a deity so the reason why i mentioned crow from the first book was because she was the one who had mentioned that god was inevitably in her eyes a woman and that she had experienced it herself and the uh, men in her group I mean, they really didn't have anything else to say compared to such thing. Like, that was really 
what could you say from that? There's nothing with her being the leader. It's either yes, no, there is no in between. There is really no play play when it comes to serious matters like that. And and there was the reasoning why she went and enacted her sense of rebellion against this gentleman who claimed the quite opposite, that God was a man. And the real egregious thing or what she was telling her men was that how could someone claim such a thing when no one knew anything? Like the people were still figuring out their names or people were still figuring out their language in, in certain instances. And how could he come off and just tell them all of these things like that while their brains are still soft? Like <laughs> he's really like trying to piece together some sense of, of reality and, and he just placed his reality on top of theirs uh, without them realizing that they had the option option to change it. So it was really, really deep the way that the time God was even interpreted. And this is also a deity and not to be compared to the Thetas where the time God had this semblance of rain or rather something in the universe that he was in care of however the, the the point where it changed was that he entered celestial or entered the realm of men and that is what quite happened where i left it and open-ended it could have been so many different things that could have happened to him and I may or may not have known. It could have been something else that happened to him and, and bumped his head on, on a comet or something like this. I have no idea. But the concept in itself was very powerful to interject as someone or deity who forgot who they were. And I thought that was really, really, really uh, something from the Sandman series or Neil Gaiman reminiscent like. Uh, if you ever read that series, come back to this podcast and tell me because you have just experienced one of the best things any human being can experience in life, and that is a great story. And it inspired me to no end just off of the character development. The sensibility of writing dialogue for one, but then two, matching it with a great illustrator or writer who understands this dream-esque uh, mentality and can understand a storyboard and can converse it and tell you what it is that you're writing and vision is a combination of a great great series it's a great piece and I spent what I don't even know how long months in the library coming back to this book uh Sandman series because it was like Nothing I had ever seen before in life, nothing I had ever seen on television or any of the science fiction films, it dwarfed all understanding of any other past writing that I previously had. It was not playing around as far as content goes, and I love that. And it was playing with the deities that one already knew in mythology, but they weren't the classic deities that one could think of. They were modern they were funny they were wise they were 
integrated into the society in each time period to enjoy the best of whatever it was that they were doing. And just a fun fact as the character, his name is Dream. And he would go and interact with his siblings at times and to talk to them about certain instances or world history or even ask a philosophical question about love or about man's plight. And it came off as very, not immature, but very, what would you call a, a, a child innocence or childlike innocence in that aspect. But then his wisdom and obviously timelessness would teeter on that scale so it would be a balance and he would ask something and then a person would honestly give their account and it would lead to him having a better understanding of like okay well I just know that people change and then he'll come back like 50 years later and ask that person the same question with the same faith and the people would inevitably have a different interpretation of what they were talking about before. And so that is one of the origins of how the time God appeared in my story and how people look at him as a reference. It's not really as if they think of him as like the supreme deity or anything like this. That is not the case. It is more or less this mysterious air that I give that I don't answer and it's just randomly random 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 how people know of his existence how they know that it's something that's there and that quite possibly helps people but does other things it's a weird 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 interpretation that way and and i like that because i explain it via you know podcasts and things like this but any other you know interpretation that someone reads it it will bemuse them and, and ask or raise that question like wait what is a time god like what is that like what are the fatas f-a-t-a-s what are they like do they have anything that is important to do in celestial like what seriously what is all of this and the questioning the questioning the questioning is the thing that i always want any reader, any listener to get from my series. And I'll springboard into the next story for the listeners to thank you guys. I, psh, what's today? Thursday? Like, it's just a Thursday. Thank thank you, Thursday. Thank, thank you. How about that? Um, To talk about the next part of the series or the fourth book and where it's going and leading. But I'm just thankful you guys respond. It, it's a really, really honor. And... I love the collabs. If anybody's looking to collab with me on, what do you call this, iTunes or any of your podcasts and multiple platforms, just invite me. I know people are looking and having their own podcast popping and talking about Instagram and talking about the new PlayStations coming out and VRs, but hey, hey, science fiction still lives. There, There's still people who love watching Farscape and have their own powwows and get-togethers or playing connect four hey oh if you are in los angeles and you like playing connect four um you have to like also weed but connect four is one of the best games ever along with jenga i love jenga it's the best game ever but more so connect four i, I like that game
<laughs> if anybody's in the area and wants to invite me to their podcast series, send me a link and send me an email and I will send the vocals and or supply my physical self to wherever it is that you're recording. And I would love to do the same and have people on my own. So this podcast series for this year is expanding. It's going to be something that I've never imagined. And I'm super, super thankful for you listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you guys. This is no joke. So please, please, thank you.